Ready to pop the question? The jewelers at BlueNile.com have got sparkle down to a science with beautiful lab-grown diamonds worthy of your most brilliant moments. Their lab-grown diamonds are independently graded and guaranteed identical to natural diamonds, and they're ready to ship to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. Sans Pants Radio. How many Otter Pops is too many Otter Pops? Because I think I might have hit that number. Hey, what's Pac-Man, everybody? Welcome to the Cynical Cartoons Podcast, where today I watch Lion King 1.5 with Brett M.W. Brett is non-binary and uses they-them pronouns. You can check them out at Brett M.W.X.Y.Z. on Twitch and Twitter, and I'm at Stop Tweeting Mia. Thanks for listening to Cynical Cartoons for another week. As always, I'm Mia Marchant, my pronouns are she, her, and I'm here if you need to talk. Is it The Lion King 1.5 or is it The Lion King 3 Akuna Matata? Because I'm a little unclear on that one. Was it out after Lion King 2? Yeah, yeah, it was definitely out after Lion King 2. This may have been an apology for Lion King 2. <laughs> Maybe. I don't know. I haven't seen that one. But I just, you know, you just have to assume by default that all of these, like, Disney direct-to-DVD sequels and all of these things are just are just terrible, especially from that era where they were just pumping them out. And that yeah. was before the brand sort of revitalized a little bit in the new dark era of the mid-2000s. If this was an apology for Lion King 2, I'd like Lion King 2 back. Again, I've not seen oh, it either, but oh, no. it, it couldn't have been it couldn't have been much worse than this. I feel like it could have. Like I may have seen that one as a kid, but this at least has some good gags in it. Like this was better than I expected it to be. I think the premise alone is the worst thing about this movie. I I, I heard nothing about the movie before you sent me the link to watch it. So as soon as I caught on that th- this was going to be a movie about Timon, I'm like, ugh. There's a reason he's the comic relief smaller side character. Sure. But at least it's not a, a Pumbaa movie where it's just him going around farting on people and getting kicked out of restaurants the entire time, you know? You know, like, I, yeah, I, that's the one thing I will commend this movie for. They had a lot of restraint when it came to fart jokes. It took them 25 minutes to make one, and I think there was maybe three in the whole film. Well done, movie. Yeah, and that fart joke has substance. It has an effect on the story for yeah. some reason. Like, the first fart in this movie is the one that, for some reason, causes all of the animals at, at Pride Rock to to bow to baby Simba, which was a fine joke, I think. Yeah, I mean, that section of the movie where they're just sort of forest gumping their way through the first movie, like, it was <laughs> it was that sort of same one joke over and over again, but not terribly done, I suppose, but the the, the, the fart joke, like you said, it's one of the better fart jokes I've seen. Yeah, I mean, I think that's the weird thing about this. This movie is like a midquel, so it's not, it doesn't take place exactly before The Lion King or after. It takes a little place a little bit before The Lion King. It's weird, though, whenever you have those kinds of things, like in the Han Solo movie, we see that everything that Han Solo ever did, he did in the course of three days. And it's like, okay, so there's no mystery to this character anymore. With Timon and Pumbaa, it's here, it's like, they found like that sanctuary that they live in 10 minutes before Simba shows up. 
which is just so weird to me because it feels like they're already so settled in there. Like they've been there for years and that's not true. Yeah, that's that's the thing with these sort of any any sort of prequel or midquel that y- you do kind of always remove the 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 stakes from any big character arc. That's why that's why I didn't like Monsters University all that much. If we're just comparing other right. movies to Lion King three, then I'll bring that in as well. It just removes all the stakes, removes all the drama from these characters that felt like just real, actual, fully fleshed out things, and then you just remove all the unsureness from the character and make it. A flat straight to DVD movie. Right. And that one was really weird. I'll never do Monsters University on the podcast. There's not enough to talk about with it. It wasn't bad enough to be funny. It just wasn't a good movie. But it's so weird that entire movie how like the entire thing is Mike Wazowski being like, oh, I'm going to be the top scarer. And you know, like, okay, so 15 years later, he's not. And then by the end of the movie, he's like, okay, I'm fine being solely sidekick. And you're like, I know that 15 years later, you're not though. Like, that's so sad. <laughs> That movie was to me like the the quintessential bad prequel because it like it had to go more so bigger. than the prequels. Uh, well, I mean, I'm gonna say something big here. I've never seen a single Star Wars movie, so I don't actually know how bad the prequels are. But with Monsters University, it had to be bigger than Monsters Inc. because it was the next one in our timeline. But it had to be smaller right. because it was the previous one in their timeline. So it just didn't work. And I'm, right, I'm right. continuing to talk about Monsters University because it was better than this film. Well, I think that you'll find if you watch the Star Wars prequels that it's the exact same issue. I, I, it seems like a concerted effort on your part not to have ever seen a Star Wars movie if you haven't seen one at this point. So I'm not going to tell you to watch them. <laughs> but you um, should probably watch them. <laughs> but I feel like at this point I don't need to see them because I already know what happens through like cultural yeah, osmosis. Sure. I just think that the real way that everybody should be watching The Lion King one and a half is that you splice it together with the main film and just create like a three hour epic. Oh. Like it would be completely unwatchable, but it would be it would be nothing. Nobody should do this, but you could do it. Uh, well, I, I know I have a summer project now. It would definitely be the best way to watch this movie and the worst way to watch that movie. Yeah, because you're ruining The Lion King. <laughs> Which Disney is not opposed to doing like. You know, they have the live action remake coming out right now this weekend. They have this. They have The Lion King 2. They have the Lion King TV show. They have Timon and Pumbaa's TV show. Like, these motherfuckers just milked it into the ground. It was a huge, huge cultural phenomenon. And it makes sense that we still had this 10 years after the original Lion King. Wait, did this come out 10 years after the original Lion King? Yeah, this was 2004, and I believe the original was 1994, right? Yeah, the original was 94, um, but I did not know this was 10 years after. Right, and that's the whole thing, is that this was like the era of Disney where they were putting out, like, Treasure Planet and Atlantis, and it wasn't working out. Like, the Disney Renaissance had sort of gone to the wayside, and they were getting ready at this point to put out, like, Chicken Little the next year, and then Home on the Range the year after that, and it's like, okay... What? They just needed to milk everything that they had and direct to, D- to DVD stuff. So they were putting out like Little Mermaid 2, Beauty and the Beast 2, Tarzan, like all of this shit. And I think that this, as far as like Disney direct to DVD sequels and sidequels and all that stuff goes, is sort of the, the cream of the crop. And I know that you have nothing to compare it to. Yeah, I've not seen most of the others. I, I don't watch terrible cartoons all that often. So... Maybe this is the best of the the sequels, but like you say that you say they keep milking their old properties around this time. They're still just doing that now. Yeah, that's nothing their thing. has changed in fifteen years. 
Yeah, I mean, we haven't seen The Lion King yet. It's not out when we're recording this episode. But I don't have high hopes. Like, the social media embargo just went up, and all of the reviews for it are like, I loved it. It looked really good, and the voice acting is good. And it's like, okay, so the story is just exactly the same thing, and nothing has changed. It yeah, it's it's reminding me of the reviews for, like, Avatar. Like, because they're all just like, it's, oh, sure. it's pretty. It's a pretty movie. Right. Yeah, and that's the thing. Everybody's like, it's stunning, but Uncanny Valley. And it's like, yeah, I don't want to watch, like, creepy animals talk emotionlessly for two hours i don't want that yeah who knows whatever we haven't seen it yet maybe it'll be magical i liked aladdin it was wild but i enjoyed it i don't know i've I've, I've yet to see aladdin but i've heard a lot of people say it was surprisingly good yeah just will smith having fun for the first time in 15 years was really fun you don't really see like suicide squad and stuff like that he's just like walking around being so deadly serious and it's like seeing him just like woohoo and all over a movie is a big blue gene it's great i liked it i don't know <laughs> i've been meaning to go see it i just so many films out recently that like i i, I went to go see it and then ended up seeing child's play because i forgot that was out that was surprisingly good yeah, I got the AMC A-list thing, which is a thing here in America, but probably not in the UK. I don't even know if you guys have AMC. But it's basically like three movies a week, you know, IMAX and 3D stuff included, and that's $25 a month. So, you know, it's pretty good. It's like movie pass, but it actually works. I don't know. Yeah, we, I, I've, I've got a similar thing. It's just like a flat, like 20 quid a month, see as many films as you like. And that's like the price of two cinema tickets. So I'm, I'm basically seeing everything at the minute. My main question about The Lion King one and a half is, is this canon? Like, does all of this stuff happen canonically in The Lion King? <laughs> is there a, a meerkat uprising that actually leads to the victory of the lions at the end of the film? Or do you consider this non-canon? The next time you're watching The Lion King, will you be thinking about The Lion King one and a half? No, I hadn't thought of that until right now. But at the very end of the film, because they do that that Emperor's New Groove thing where they pause and they have the little mystery science theater style narration. And they do that a lot. Like, it's, it's riff tracks all up in this bitch. Mystery Science Theater 3000 all the way. And it's not as cute as when Kuzco does it. It's very annoying. But at the very end, the mum comes in, Mama Meerkat. Mm-hmm. Played by Marge Simpson, by the way. Very important character really? in this film. Yeah, it's Julie Kavner. Wow. Uh, well, yeah, she refers to the film as the movie, which implies to me that it is in the world of The Lion King, a movie, and therefore isn't canon. Oh, okay. Because that's that's the thing, is that this movie does have a lot of stuff that doesn't make a whole lot of sense. It also has, like, Mickey Mouse and Goofy show up at the end, and, like, a bunch of classic, like, Disney characters, and you're like, are all of these people canonically in The Lion King? Are you saying that The Lion King is a movie in this world? No, I'm, I'm not, or I'm the not opposite saying way. I'm not saying The Lion King is a movie in in the the world. I'm saying The Lion King 1 and a half slash 1.5 slash Lion King 3 is a fictional piece of mo- piece of media inside the Lion King universe. It's like retroactive history that Timon and Pumbaa shot to make themselves look like the heroes. Yeah, like at the end of Chicken Little where they go to see the Chicken Little movie. I just watched that movie for the podcast. <laughs> Upcoming episodes, guys. <laughs> oh, that's a piece of shit. Uh, it really is. Yeah, I mean, I think that this movie definitely suffers from a bit of, like, minionitis. Like, it's definitely like, oh, these are the goofball characters that you love so much, and let's watch them goof around for a while. But I, I am just a sucker for Nathan Lane. Like, I really liked just listening to him be in this character again for an hour and 15 minutes. Nathan Lane, again, voice of Simba? 
No, no, no. Nathan Lane is the voice of Timon. Oh, yeah. Well, like he he Matthew Broderick is Simba. Yeah, sorry. Names. Um he he's he's good at what he does and what he's doing is he's is it's like he's being given a, a half decent set of lines, but the character is an asshole and they That's really true. amplify up the assholeness of this character because he has to carry the movie himself. And because of that, right. I liked listening to him perform did not like the things he was actually saying. So I kind of get what you mean, but at the same time, I I think that this movie gave me a new perspective on Timon and Pumbaa as characters, because something that I never realized in the Lion King, like, you know, that whole classic gag where like Pumbaa says something like good idea. And then Timon's like, no, no, that's stupid. Let's do this. And then he says exactly the same thing. Yeah. And then that always was made to look like to make Pumbaa look like an idiot. Like he's just like a schmuck and he'll do whatever Timon says. But really in that situation, that's Pumbaa the master manipulator. (laughs) Like that's Pumbaa using reverse psych, or not reverse psychology, but just like using psychological tricks on Timon to get him to do whatever he wants him to do. And those are like legit psychological tricks as well. Maybe I do want a Pumbaa movie. I want like a how to win friends and influence people with Pumbaa as the main character. Because he's clearly good at it. Pumbaa is like a red pill guy. Like, just <laughs> oh, going around no, picking up it. chicks. <laughs> oh, no. No, no Pumbaa's a, he's, he's a pig. He's disgusting. <laughs> <laughs> oh, you, I, I had a good idea for five seconds and now I hate it. Yeah. That, that sounds like a lot of work in animation for something that nobody would want to watch. <laughs> I mean, especially if the, the, the characters were played by... Uh, Billy Eichner and Seth Rogen. I mean, that's the thing, is that it's fun to hear these actors back in their role. You know, they didn't bring in, like, some other no-name voice actor to play these characters again, which they could have done. And I think even in the TV show, Timon and Pumbaa, it's always them, which, I I don't know, I just appreciate that dedication. Like, even 10 years later, they're like, yeah, I'll I'll do this again. I'm not doing anything else. Yeah, like, I think... I, I think they got most of the major voice cast back. I think even for like the cameos at the very, very end of all the different characters, I think they got the actual, they were the actual real voices, were they not? Well, I, I don't know. There's definitely moments in this where you're like, okay, they, they couldn't get James Earl Jones back for sure. Well, no. <laughs> like there's a moment at, at Pride Rock where they're like holding up Simba and Rafiki's like, look, everybody's bowing. And then Mufasa's just like, nods to the camera like doesn't make a <laughs> make a verbal anything because they're like we're not going to recast him no. and they still haven't you know in the live action film it's still james earl jones but like the good thing about doing this kind of movie is that if you can't get your main cast back what you what they could or should have done is just use voice clips from the original scenes because that's right it's the same scene it's the same bit of the world so they could have just reused voice lines which i'm surprised they didn't well i would think that they would need to pay those people again i i like i'm not sure how the how the contracts worked but like, right. if, if you're not a disney lawyer no. I, I was under the impression that you were when i invited you on the podcast oh, I'll, I'll just go then i'm clearly you, yeah, you I'm clearly sorry. miscast me <laughs> yeah i mean this movie definitely borrows so much from the original to make it a lot cheaper like you can tell that they're like reusing animation from the original they're using backdrops and things like that and you can just see moments where like it goes from the the brilliant beautiful animation of the 1994 the lion king to like this weird like digitally animated 2004 like direct to dvd mess you know it'll go from like a shot from the old movie to a new one and you're like okay guys come on yeah (laughs) what are we doing here i mean like 
it like to their credit they managed to when they're reusing old footage old backdrops whatever they managed to like make a joke out of it so the contrast they they the juxtaposition is a little bit more justified because they keep like harkening back to the first mo- to to the first lion king like um the right. t- timon's mum does the look at everything the light touches thing um and then they do the like walking across the log over and over again and that, i'm pretty sure that's the same like the same backdrop so but like it's it's the punchline so it's allowed to be exactly the same and look far better than the rest of the film which is it's lucky that they had two comedy characters to make this movie a comedy because had it been based around like (laughs) Rafiki they couldn't have pulled off that same punchline oh boy Rafiki's a comedy character but I do not like Rafiki that's the thing I mean he just is noxious in this movie and he's always around just like bumping in and out of scenes and it's like okay guys like we almost watched the Timon and Pumbaa cartoon today and I'm glad that we didn't because it it must be worse than this right I assume this came out before. Did, was this before the Timon and Pumper cartoon? I'm going to say yes, but I'll, I'll check. Because like, if, if the cartoon was a follow-up to this, then it was inevitably worse, because that's how every Disney property goes. Oh, wow. The, the Timon and Pumper cartoon started in 1995. Wow. So the year after the film. That's wild. So was wait, was this like the Timon and Pumper TV show, the movie? I don't know, because that ran from 1995 until 1999, and then I'm going to guess that we probably didn't see Timon and Pumbaa for a while after that. Then they really missed the boat on waiting another five years to make this film. <laughs> yeah. What what made them make this film? Just because they were they were scraping the bottom of the barrel with, like, Disney direct-to-DVD sequels. And I'm sure that, like, The Lion King 2 did really well, you know, so they pulled this one out. I mean, that's the really funny thing, is that the, the Disney canon, they don't really do the vault thing anymore, but they used to do it more... Where they were like, you know, this movie's available for a limited time, and then it goes back in the vault on home video. And it would be so funny when they were like, we're pulling Lady and the Tramp 2 out of the vault. Anybody? No? Okay, it's going back <laughs> in the vault. Like, so quickly. It would never be on the shelves because nobody wants that, you know? Yeah, I vaguely remember, like, because I wasn't like a big Disney kid. I have vague recollections of, of things coming in and out of the Disney vault. And just like, I, I remember... They really tried to amp up like Snow White and the Seven Dwarves is coming out of the Disney vault. And like over here, at least nobody cared about Snow White and the Seven Dwarves. It was like mid 2000s. We're way past that. Yeah, I mean, and also now there's the element that people are not even really in for physical copies anymore. of movies. Like I love my physical movie collection, but people don't do that anymore. So now it's all digital and they can't really do that as much. No, but like when this new like Disney Go, Disney Life, whatever it's called, when that new yeah thing, Disney Plus streaming service yeah when that comes out, do you reckon they'll do the same thing and they'll just temporarily put things on there and then put them back in the vault? They could very easily do that. Yeah, I don't, I don't think that the Disney Plus streaming service is going to have like every Disney movie ever and also every TV show ever. I think that it's just going to have like select things from like Marvel, Star Wars. Fox properties that they've just acquired, and then, like, some Disney movies. Like, that's the problem with a lot of these streaming services. They're like, I got the DC Universe streaming service for a little bit, and it was like, they have, like, the Lois and Clark show, they have Batman the Animated Series from the 90s, which is great, but it's like, they don't have, like, the Justice League cartoon, they don't have Smallville, they don't have a lot of stuff that it's like, well, people, why why would I get this if it's not definitive? Yeah. Like I don't think I don't think DC Universe is even out here yet, and I don't hear anybody clamoring for it. 
No, because it seems like it's going away. Like, they released the first episode of Swamp Thing, and then immediately they were like, canceled. It's canceled. It's gone. <laughs> so it's like, okay, guys. And then they have a new, like, Warner Brothers one coming up. And so it's like, okay, so that's going to be just packaged and just sent to the wayside forever, I think. Yeah, let's not talk about that, because it's not really important or interesting. <laughs> um, I, I did like Julie Kavner, actually. She was my favorite part of this movie as Timon's mom. Like, Timon's whole backstory... It's just kind of whack. He sort of Jar Jar Binks's his way through his life and just like fucks up the entire colony. He lives with like a meerkat family. And his whole thing is like his his mom gives him sort of a reverse Mufasa, which I really liked. Like that moment where she goes out and she's like, see, everything the light touches. That's scary. Don't go out there. Stay underground. Yeah. I thought that was a nice like reverse of like Simba coming from Silver Spoon, you know, bougie origins of like everything is yours to like Timon coming from like, no, you have to hide because we're the bottom of the food chain, basically. Like I, I, I did like the sort of flipping it on its head thing. I didn't like that in the space of like the first 20 minutes, our protagonist destroyed his entire family's home and nearly got them all eaten. And we're supposed to root for this guy. Yeah, Timon's a shithead for sure. <laughs> he's just such an asshole. Yeah, I mean, the whole thing is is that like he's supposed to be a digger in the meerkat colony. They dig underground to protect themselves. He tries to build a skylight, and then his like it it destroys the entire tunnel that they're building. They've been working on for weeks, and then his mom is like, "Timon, this is the third tunnel you've destroyed." And it's like, how did you? After the second one, you would think that he would figure out not to try and build a skylight. <laughs> Like, I like to imagine that it's him doing the exact same thing every time. He's like, the skylight thing will work this time. <laughs> what was the rest of the colony thinking? Like, giving him a job after the second time he ruined the tunnel. And not even just a job, but like, after that, they put him on sentry duty to be the lookout for the entire colony. It's like, okay, this shithead isn't going to be able to do this job and you know it. Like, he messes that up. He He's up there, like, singing a song and the hyenas from the first movie come around and basically almost kill everybody but they're they don't really get anybody no i thought i thought for a second they were gonna do like the entire colony dies like in like like at the beginning of finding nemo where all the babies die which is kind of horrifying right. when you say it out loud um right but i so for a second i thought are they gonna kill everyone oh no of course everyone's fine they have new tunnels that for some reason appear yeah, I mean, I mean, his his uncle Max kind of gets his ass ate out by a hyena, so that's pretty funny. <laughs> uh, played by Jerry Stiller, <laughs> Ben Stiller's dad, who was in Seinfeld. I, I liked him in this movie. He was kind of fun. I don't he, know. He, he kind of plays the same old, slightly crazy man that he pl- he plays the same person a lot, really, and he does it well here. Is is yeah, and he, and he's also a really great casting for Timon's uncle. Like, he's got a Nathan Lane aspect to him, and Julie Kavner does too in this. Like, they, they definitely sound like a family, for sure. Yeah, I, I, I very easily bought them all sort of being the same family. They, they're, they all, like, all of the all of the meerkats did have, they, they, they were cast very well. They sounded very much like each other. I do want to say that the, the musical number at the beginning of this piece, where they, they, they sing this song about digging tunnels, and it's all, it's... It, it, they're, they're trying to do the big sort of Disney chorus thing from the first Lion King, but it ends up coming off more as they're crumping like from Mighty Boosh because it's just not nearly as big or as orchestral. It just sounds a bit budget. Everything about this movie is very cheap. I mean, that's for sure. I, I get that it, it literally was 
a lot cheaper to make yeah. than the first Lion King, but don't attempt a massive orchestral chorus number if you can't afford it. I feel like Disney should know that. Because that musical number, I they, mean, could, they could have done it smaller and it could have sounded good, but I feel like it, they tried to make it sound too big. I, I feel like that we just have a fundamental disagreement about the quality of this movie because I liked the musical number. I thought it was fun and I have it stuck in my head right now. Oh no, I have it stuck in my head too. And I'm not I'm like... I, yeah, it's, it's catchy and stupid, <laughs> but you know... It definitely wouldn't have fit in place in the first movie. Yeah, and I'm not. I'm not saying the movie is 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 terrible. I'm saying it was like this 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 bit in particular. They tried to make it bigger than they should have. Yeah, I, I can definitely feel that, and it feels like the movie is definitely padding for time a lot of the time. Like that was definitely a pad for time. There's several several moments throughout this movie where it's like, okay, they're literally padding for time. Like Timon mm-hmm. and Pumbaa like pause the movie so that Pumbaa can go get some grubs for them and that takes like four fucking minutes of them of just like watching Timon's backlit back while he picks his nose and it's like okay okay movie why is this 75 minutes this could have been an hour it would have been fine many of us have those stubborn pounds that seem impossible to lose no matter how good we eat or how hard we work out my solution is plush care PlushCare is a leading telehealth provider with doctors who are there for you day and night to partner with you in your weight loss journey. They can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wagovi and Zepbound for those who qualify. Plus, they accept most insurance plans. To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. I, I, I didn't... I, 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 I feel like I'm being made out to hate this movie. I didn't hate this movie. It was definitely a bad movie, but I don't know, like, y- you say they, they pad for time a lot. I'm going to jump ahead to the end. The climax of this movie is them padding for time. The right. characters literally pad for time. Which is an element of the first movie, by the way. <laughs> I mean, that's definitely something that they do in the original. Yeah, but like, uh, to be fair, it's been, it's been a while since I watched the first Lion King. Oh, sure. I, I found it was like, are they doing that on purpose? Do they know that there's been a lot of time padding in this movie? So they made the the climax padding for time? Because if that is on purpose, that is a very clever joke for this film or just in general. No, it's it's definitely on purpose because like that whole gag that they have about like, oh, yeah, we're going to pause the movie and then Pumbaa's going to go like get some grubs from the kitchen. Like that's definitely a meta joke about the movie having no plot or point to it and no real direction to it. So in that aspect, I've really enjoyed this movie because it knew exactly what it was. Right, you like the movie because the movie hates itself and is as cynical about itself as we are. Yeah, <laughs> I like a movie that knows a good what it point. is. I mean, there were definitely some good gags in here. Like, I liked the moment where um, they're hanging out underneath Pride Rock or whatever. Like, they're there right before the I Just Can't Wait to Be King sequence. And they're there for literally every formative moment in Simba's life for some reason. Yeah, And for some reason, all of those things happen in the course of like a week which I haven't really realized about the original that like the entire story sort of happens very quickly and then there's a big time jump. You, you don't really think about it, but, but like lion cubs are only that small for a very small period of time. About the amount of time that it takes Timon and Pumbaa to find a new home. Yeah. It's weird how that lines up, <laughs> but like you just you, like this movie makes you realize how short a time, like it's two very short time spans that are the Lion King. Right. And then they skip out right. the middle bit. The, like, uh, I'm gonna, one of, one of the scenes I quite enjoyed, the the bit where Simba and Timon 
have a drinking contest with snails. Oh, sure. Snails are like booze in this movie. I don't understand it, but it was a, a, I, I giggled. I'm not sure why, but I liked that sequence. Yeah, I mean, and this movie has a lot of homage to other things. I felt like that was less of a drinking thing and more of like a Cool Hand Luke kind of deal, like eating all the eggs in Cool Hand Luke. I don't know if you've seen that movie, but I, I don't know. I feel like the movie is is definitely padding for time a lot of the time with Teenage Simba, which I don't really appreciate because that wasn't so much an element of the original. Like he goes from a kid, we see him as a teenager for literally half a shot in the movie during the growing up sequence, and then he's an adult Matthew Broderick guy. Yeah. And it's like, okay, why do we... Teenage Simba's just kind of noxious. I don't really like that. Well, like, I, I feel like they they felt like they had to put some Teenage Simba in because we'd never seen Teenage Simba before. And if they're going to make... This is, like, their only shot to do Teenage Simba because Simba's whole lifespan is this movie. So, I don't know. It was... It was that the the sequence where it's like the Timon's like griping about being a parent and if you're going to gripe about parenting anyone gripe about parenting a teenager they're the worst so i kind of right. I kind of appreciated those sequences and also during that sequence they call each other pops and son which confirms the two gay dads theory of the lion king and i'm very i was very much a fan <laughs> of that <laughs> I mean, it's funny because Timon and Boomba have always been kind of queer-coded. But then there's a moment in this movie where they're, like, eating grubs together. And they accidentally do the Lady and the Tramp thing where, like, they both have a grub in their mouth. And they suck on it and they accidentally kiss in the middle. And they're both like, blah! Yeah. I don't quite understand why they did that as as well. But uh, except for just that... It was 2004. Uh, it, well, yeah, it was 2004. But then it was, just, it was just another Disney movie reference that they could get into this very sort of meta, self-aware movie. They're definitely not the first uh, movie to parody Lady and the Tramp like that. Probably in that exact same way. I bet that there's like oh, yeah. at least 10 movies where they're parodying Lady and the Tramp and two guys kiss in the middle and then are like, black gay. And it's mm-hmm. like, okay, all right, guys, I get that it's 2004, but like, can you not be 2004? <laughs> okay. Yeah, just for like, just for 30 seconds, just be cool. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> It's weird the things that this movie does, though, because I feel like it. they try and make Akuna Matata work without Simba. And it's like, why not just wait for him? Like, they do Akuna Matata, and then during all of Simba's bits in the song, they're, like, falling over and doing stuff like that. And I guess the whole point there is, like, the song doesn't work without Simba because he's the thing that, like, pulls Timona and Pumbaa together and makes them a trio rather than, like, a dysfunctional duo. Yeah, I, 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 I kind of got that. And and I, I enjoyed the fact that the song didn't work without them. But like you said, the bits where they filled in his bits were just kind of like wastes. They, they, I feel like they could have done more with that. Um, mm-hmm. having, having Hakuna Masata as a sing-along, that was cute, I guess. But like, and then having having real-life Pumba eating, I say real-life Pumba, that, that, no, that's not what I mean. Real-life Pumba is Seth Rogen. <laughs> Having sort of the, the 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 Pumba that's watching the movie eat the bug that's doing the sing along, but that I liked that joke as well. That was that was right. a clever way to do that outside looking in thing. Again, I want to call him real life Pumba, but he's still not real life. But he's watching the movie. You know what I mean? I mean, this motherfucker drags. That's the thing. Like I did enjoy this. It's seventy five minutes. It feels like a lot longer. The first half is fun. There's a lot there that's fun. But I feel like after they meet Simba, it kind of gets a lot worse. Like it drags 
and drags and I check the time and it's like 40 minutes left and I'm like, okay, all right, guys, like... When they when they have Simba, I feel like they don't need. I feel like they feel like they don't need to try as hard, because this is a kids movie, and now Simba's in it, so the kids just care about Simba. When it's just Timon and Pumbaa, they actually have to try and write decent scenes. Because I also noticed there was a drop in quality when Simba was introduced. Right, or it's just an element of like instead of seeing old scenes with a new twist on them, we're now seeing just scenes from the original movie without anything interesting going on in them because like Simba's around he's not really a comedic character so he's just kind of like being Simba and you're like all right so this is just like a worse version of the movie that I saw before and not something new and fun and meta yeah they've they've, they've got to make the plot of the Lion King advance but we don't care about the plot of the Lion King because we're not watching the Lion King and then you know we have the element of like the original movie where Nala shows up Simba's falling in love with Nala and wants to go back to Pride Rock with her and in the original, the whole thing was that, like, Timon and Pumbaa were kind of morose about it. They were really sad. They sang a song about, like, oh, they're falling in love and Simba's going to leave us soon. Here it feels more like your two dads are cock-blocking you. Mm-hmm. And it's like, okay, this is not an element of this movie that I really needed for, like, Timon and Pumbaa to try and keep Simba from falling in love. Yeah, they, they, they make an active effort to try and split Simba and Nala up. And I'm just, that was a section I really didn't like because that felt... Like, I know that they they amped up Timon's assholishness for this movie, but that felt like a step too far. That's just not Timon anymore, I feel. I mean, and it's it's definitely an element of like, okay, how do we make this one sequence from the original film like a thing? You know, like when, when we watch the sequence of them growing up, like I was saying, you don't see that much of teenage Simba because that's not interesting. It's not part of the story. So then here we expand on it and it's like, okay, so we watch Timon take Simba to go to the bathroom 10 times. That doesn't add anything to the original story in any kind of interesting component. No. Like, I feel like the the, the love scene in general doesn't fit the, the the tone of the rest of the film. So so they had to do something with it. But they'd already played with the, with the characters pausing and walking out and stuff. Why didn't they just fast forward past the love scenes? Or, or like, make it a meta joke of, like, this is inappropriate. And they, like, fast yeah. forward and, like, maybe, like, Puma, like, puts his, his body to block the screen during, like, something especially heinous. Exactly. Like, yeah. I think that that could have been a funny joke. We should have written this movie. Do you want to, do you think they're doing reshoots here in 2019? Because I'll, I'll do, you know, we'll, we'll work on the live action remake of yeah. Blanking one, <laughs> one and a Half. In 2029, when they run out of, when, when they're milking the live action reboots for as much as they can. <laughs> Oh boy, they're not going to get Donald Glover back for that. He is like already done with The Lion King. He's been done with it for six months. The movie's not even out. Yeah. Oh boy, I saw I saw him doing a talk show appearance today on Jimmy Kimmel, and he dressed up as Simba. He like wore like a really bad like kids onesie, and it's like okay, I've seen this before with actors like dressing up as their cartoon character, and that's the bit. And it's like they only do that when this actor does not want to do a talk show appearance and like has nothing funny to say and is like, I don't want to do anything interesting. Mm -hmm. Just give me like a stupid costume or something. (laughs) Like I saw like Harrison Ford dressed up as like a hot dog on Kimmel or like uh, Steve Carell went as Gru from the Despicable Me movies on Ellen. And it's like, okay, these people do not want to be here and they're just doing it, you know? Yeah. It can't be good, right? Like it's just going to be the same thing with like, 
different voice acting, like not even necessarily worse, just different. Yeah, like I saw somebody somebody on Twitter said they should have just made it like a documentary, have no voice acting, have it like a David Attenborough style documentary. That, oh, sure. That is a Lion King live action movie I would watch. But this just feels like they're not changing enough. It's just going to be another Lion King, but with more realistic lions, which inevitably means they all look the same because lions kind of look the same. Yeah, I mean, and it's funny because we've seen this happen like six times. Like they did Cinderella, they did The Jungle Book, they did Aladdin, they did Wizard of Oz, you know, like they did all of these movies. And it's like, why are they, I guess that they're still just making a lot of money off these movies and so they're going to keep on pumping them out. Because like there is no end in sight to all these live action remakes. The Little Mermaid is coming. Mm-hmm. Well, like if, if you'd asked me like five years ago, what would be the end of the Disney live action reboots? I would have said the lion king they'd save the lion king until last right do you think that the next step is sequels like do you think that they're gonna go for like a straight up sequel to the aladdin movie if it does well enough or the lion king if it does well enough i'm not sure i i um i was listening to another podcast called serious business and they were sort of half jokingly talking about disney trying to get them all into the same universe do a sort of disney princess oh, sure. avengers movie it's inevitable <laughs> <laughs> and and that that is where I can that is where I seriously can see it going. That that would be fun though. I think just like taking it to an element where it's like, oh, it's the genie hanging out with Gaston for some reason. It's like why even why is this happening? But good, I like it. it it's it would, good. Now. It, it's kind of like a Disney Infinity movie, and I'd watch that. <laughs> I think I think we're done with Lion King one and a half. I've got nothing else to say about this. I've soured on it as we talked about it. I liked it before we talked about it, and now I'm I'm mad at it. <laughs> I, I I did I did want to say now that we're talking about the live action remakes, it's funny. Like looking looking at the very last scene in this movie, where all of the other classic Disney characters come in and come and sit down and watch. Every single one of those has now had a live action remake. I think except Seven Dwarfs, because there was and I guess Mickey Mouse and uh, Goofy. Are well, there. yeah. Uh, but that, there was there was Dumbo, there was the Alice in Wonderland people, there was there was uh, so many people that like you've you've all just had live action remakes, and the like the only one I could find except like Disney, uh, Mickey and Goofy was Seven Dwarfs. So Seven Dwarfs remake coming yeah. soon. Lion King one and a half predicted it. <laughs> I mean, now that I've brought this into the conversation, and I'm really upset that I've done this. A live action Goofy movie. Now I would, would re- be like, horrified. Are we talking like just a live action remake of an extremely goofy movie? <laughs> oh sure, yeah. Either either the one where he goes to college or the first one where they go camping. Who or who just a plays whole new goofy? story? Just just live action goofy in general. Oh boy, who plays goofy? I don't know. I don't know if they would just bring in the 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 person who's playing goofy now. But or does they does he get, look like, like goofy or does he just it? sound like goofy? Right. Well, that's the thing is that it'd be, it'd be CGI. So it doesn't matter what he looks like. I don't know about Goofy. I do know that Pete would be played by John Goodman. <laughs> yes, that is perfect. <laughs> Just like in makeup, no CGI. Yeah. Just John Goodman. I love that. Oh, fuck. I just think that Goofy would fall into the uncanny valley and be so terrifying so quickly that I, I definitely want to see this movie. Oh, yeah. We need, like, it needs to happen. It needs to happen now. It, it would be very, like, Sonic-fied. Like, it would be like the Sonic the Hedgehog original designs that they're now changing. Oh, God. And Mickey would make an appearance, too. It'd be so terrifying. No, Mick, Mickey is the Nick Fury bonus scene at the end. 
oh, that's good. Yeah. And then it's like somebody turns on the lights and it's all of them. Like you get to see just like a snapshot <laughs> of all of the, the Disney gang and they look so like just nightmarish, you know? Does live action Donald Duck finally wear trousers? Because I don't think we could pull off a trouserless Donald Duck if it was photorealistic. I mean, does live action Howard the Duck wear trousers? Um, yes. Live, like how, like, like comic book okay. Howard See, the I'm Duck wears this up clothes. <laughs> oh, does he? Okay. Yeah. Howard the Duck wears like full on people clothes in the books. Yeah, you're right. You're right. He's wearing like he's wearing like a full piece suit here. Like I'm looking at Howard the Duck right now, and he looks very dapper. Uh, I'm also now googling Howard the Duck. Thank you. <laughs> yeah, you're welcome. I mean, Howard the Duck, not a franchise that I'm intimately familiar with, but if you were to make a blank one and a half, what movie do you think would be good as a one and a half? Ooh, see, I I kind of want a Monsters Inc. one and a half. With like Randall and his little crony, just like make it make it like a short, like at forty five minutes, an hour tops. Randall and his crony mm-hmm. just like planning and and like because they do so much behind the scenes. They they like build a whole like build a whole little secret lair. Do do secret research. They do all sorts of stuff that we barely see. I want to see like a like a like an espionage movie with Randall and his like three eyed crony. Yeah. I, th- I think his crony's name is Fungus. That would be disturbing, I think. Because the thing about Randall is that he's kidnapping kids so that he can put them in his weird torture machine and extract their screams. Oh, yeah. It would um, be a dark movie. I want Del Toro on yeah, this. Yeah, this would be an R-rated movie. <laughs> I don't know how I feel about that. That's interesting. Yeah, I think that in that same sort of vein, I would love to see like a Harry Potter thing that just follows like Draco Malfoy and his cronies, Crab and Goyle. That would be cool. Because uh, again, they, they get up to a lot of hijinks. Yeah, they definitely do. It would be very strange because you would have to like CGI Tom Felton to be 12 again. <laughs> <laughs> so it goes straight into the Uncanny Valley so quickly. So like um, which, which film would it follow? Or would it just be like, are you making seven Harry Potter one and a half? <laughs> no, no, no. It would be one. It would be Harry Potter... The Draco story. And it would just be his entire story all in one film. I I like this idea. Yeah, it wouldn't have like the darkly serious tone of all the other movies. It would just be like him goofing. Like it'd be like him and his first crush. It'd be him and like Crab and Goyle getting up to mischief and being horrible racists. I don't know how fun this would be to watch. It would definitely be creepy. Would it cover the point in the franchise where they had to fire either Crab or Goyle and replace him with Zabini, I think his name is? And they never address it in the last film. We will finally get the story of how that happened. That, that, I'd watch it just for that scene. And, you know, they're, they're just looking for new ways to get in the Harry Potter universe, sort of. So maybe this could be like a ride. Like, this should not be a movie. This a should ride. be a ride at Universal, for sure. Yeah, a theme park ride. I... That that would be that would be an unusual ride. I mean, it'd be very strange. It would just be like like you go, you get on the ride and it's like Crab and Goyle being like, "Oi, come on!" My, sorry to do it. A terrible <laughs> oh, no, botching on. of an accent. <laughs> Oi, bruv. <laughs> Let's go bash some mudbloods. And you're like, "Oh no, okay, this is get me off the ride. I, I, stop the ride. Get me out of here." <laughs> You've come up with this great idea that you cannot possibly pitch. <laughs> yeah. Because for sure you can't do the Monsters, Inc. thing either. None of this should ever... Oh, you know what? You know what? I've got it. 
This is the number one. Um, Ghostbusters from Slimer's perspective. I'm surprised they haven't made a cartoon out of that already because the cartoons love Slimer. They love Slimer so much. Yeah, for sure. I mean, that kind of is what the real Ghostbusters is, isn't it? Yeah. <laughs> it's just a cartoon about Slimer and also his friends, the Ghostbusters. <laughs> <laughs> oh, boy. I'm glad that we, we spent the last 15 minutes of this podcast not talking about Timon and Pumbaa because um, <laughs> should people watch The Lion King one and a half? What do you think? I know because there are some charming moments. There are some good gags. There's also a lot of padding. And they run a lot of jokes into the ground, and angsty teenage Simba is not fun. Yeah, that's true. I mean, the movie did make me laugh a lot, which is surprising. Like, a lot of shows that I watch on this podcast don't make me laugh. I don't even know who I would recommend this movie to, because not even, like, if you have kids, there's better movies for your kids to watch. If you have kids that really love Timon and Pumba, well, no, because then there's the cartoon. There's a cartoon, Yeah. Who's I this mean, movie for? I would say if you have an animation podcast about bad direct-to-DVD sequels <laughs> to Disney movies, <laughs> you should watch this, this movie and do it for your podcast. <laughs> hey, Brett, thanks so much again for coming on the show. Where can people find you online? Uh, you can find me um, on everything at Brett, M-W-X-Y-Z. That's Brett with one T because my mom can't spell. And I'm at Stop Tweeting Me on Twitter. If you guys liked this episode of the show, please go rate and review us on iTunes. It really does help. And as always, I'm Mia Marchant, and I'm here if you need to talk. The D True Hollywood Story The Lion King One and a Half. I won't lie to you. Hollywood's a tough town. When they made The Lion King, we thought they'd tell our story, but they made it all about Simba. The whole story needs to be told. You don't know the half of it. Shall we run for our lives? Oh, yes, let's. The Lion King One and a Half. Get the whole story on Disney DVD and Video February 10th.